Welcome to Mind Love, episode 183. Today's episode is all about the three parts to purpose. In the peeling back of the layers, noticing, in fact, you can even just do this right now, really pausing for a minute and noticing how you feel about these words. When I say the word, yes, 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 notice how that feels in your body. Or if I say the word, no, 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 noticing how that feels in your body. Your body will tell you the difference when it feels a no, when it's a fear, and when it's a yes. And so when something is coming from that fear, typically your body will shrink. You'll be talking very fast. Your body is almost like a gaslight in your car. Your body will start telling you when it's a no and when it's a yes. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hold up. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that cute little subscribe button because subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are the best way to help give back if you find the show really helpful. They help the show climb the charts, which helps me get even better guests, which means more value for you. Today, I want to read a review from Daryl34. He says, thank you so much for the exact podcast I needed at this exact time. I love your voice, your questions, your story, and the way you are so very authentic and genuine. Wish we could be friends. Thanks. Well, Daryl, I'm here to tell you that we are friends. We are, in fact, best friends. So thank you so much for your review. It totally lit up my world. Be honest. Do you wake up excited to contribute to the world? Do you feel super confident that what you're doing with your life right now is not only just a perfect fit for you, but it's also just what the world needs? Do you end the day feeling happy and satisfied and excited about what tomorrow holds? Or does this sound more familiar? You wonder if this is all there is to life. You feel overwhelmed and stressed and like just another hamster caught in the never-ending wheel. Do you have some thoughts that sound like, wouldn't it be cool if I could just make money off of this, but that'll probably never happen? Or you don't even really have big dreams because what's even the point? But what if I told you that holding yourself back from dreaming big or going for your dreams doesn't just suppress those dreams, it actually suppresses your true self. You came here on purpose. So doesn't it make sense that you should feel purposeful? To me, finding your purpose doesn't mean that you came here to do just one specific thing, like it's your one career version of a soulmate or something. But you came here to feel a certain way. You came here to live your life in a way that makes you feel most alive, most vibrant and enthusiastic and radiant. And you can't really do that if you're spending most of your waking moments in a job that drains your energy or your excitement for life. The problem is, most of us have heard about the elusive purpose that we're supposed to find, but we have no idea how to find it. Maybe you don't know yourself well enough to know what will truly make you happy. Or maybe you're so used to following society's definition of success that you don't know any other way. All you know is that you're not happy. Or maybe you've just been so burnt out that you've even given up trying. So how do we start to find our purpose in life? 
do we all even have one? Well, that's what we're talking about today. And our guest is Karen Rockend. She is a positive psychology expert, powerful motivational speaker, and a coach. And she empowers people to pursue their dreams and bring their best selves to their work and their life. So three key things we will learn are the three parts to purpose, why your purpose is not one specific job or career, and how to move past blocks, fears, old stories, and negativity so that you can always move forward. And now let's welcome Karen Rockend to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So give us a little background on you and how you became a positive psychology expert, a motivational speaker, and a coach. Yeah. So, you know, I'll take a long story and make it short. You know, when I was a little girl, I was all about like, I wanted this perfect life and this perfect husband and this perfect, like all of that. Right. And doing the thing that I always do, which is I do the perfect thing. I had all that by the time I was 22. So I was married to like tall, dark, handsome lawyer. We had a big 2,500 square foot house in the burbs. We had a golden retriever. Like everything looked perfect. And for some reason I was like still so unhappy and I would cry all the time. My husband would be like, what's wrong with you? We're happy. And it just, I had this like emptiness and what kept coming to me, Melissa was like, I'm here for something. I have a purpose, but like there I was 26 years old. I had no idea even what the word purpose meant. I had no idea what my purpose was. I just knew that there had to be more. And so we got divorced and I really started my journey to say, well, if all the things everyone said was supposed to make me happy, didn't, then what would, and I kept coming back to that idea of purpose. And so I just had to start my own journey though, because this is like 20 years ago. There were no life coaches at the time. There were no like podcasts or YouTube telling me, here's how to find your purpose. I kind of just went on my own journey with it and started early saying, okay, well, what is something that I love? And I had been in a youth group when I was a young girl, when I was in high school and I'm like, all right, I'll volunteer for that youth group. And so I started volunteering with high school girls and where they were so excited about the future, they also felt so inadequate, right? Like I'm not as smart as my older sister or I'm not getting into the right colleges. My parents want me to be an accountant or an engineer, but I want to be an artist, right? Like there was so, or I'm, they felt fat, felt ugly. And I could like recognize every single one of them in me. And all I could see in them were their beauty and like what was incredible and unique and special about them. And I just loved showing them who they were. And at the same time, I started communicating online with other divorced women because I was like 28, 29, right? Really young. All my friends were getting married. So I'm communicating with these other young divorced women. And I became the cheerleader of the group. Like we can do it. We got this, blah, blah, blah. And like my whole life was lit up by inspiring and empowering women. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is the happiness I've been wanting. I felt so alive, but like, how do you turn that into a career? That began then like eight years of honestly, depression, because I had these dreams and I wasn't pursuing them because I couldn't figure it out. And I would like try to, I got back together with different kinds of men who were just like my ex-husband, like another lawyer, another BMW, but not the right thing. And it was like, what is this? How do I get my purpose? How do I actually do it? And really what was keeping me back was being afraid. And then one day I was robbed at gunpoint. I was walking home from a bad blind date and talking on the phone absentmindedly with my sister laughing. And I go to put my key in the condo door and it's like 10 o'clock at night. 
and I feel hot breath on my neck and I turn around and suddenly there's a man staring at me and he pulls a gun and I scream and I fall to the floor and I'm like, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. And I had that moment of thinking I'm about to die and I'm never going to pursue that dream of empowering women. And so right then it was like some other voice came over me and I said, if I live, I will pursue my purpose no matter what. And exactly at that moment, the man took my purse and he ran. And so I realized in making that vow to myself that what was holding me back wasn't the, wasn't my purpose or even knowing what it was. And I would think it, I kept thinking it was the how, well, how do I do it? It was really just the fear, the fear of, I wouldn't make money. I would fail. I would be rejected. Who's going to want to work with me? You know, all of that. And what I learned and realized is any step is the first step is the right first step. And so in that moment of almost dying, I decided I'm going to do this. And I said, well, what would be a first step? And it was like, go get an education. So I researched different graduate programs. I found positive psychology, the science of happiness and human flourishing. I found that they had a graduate program in it. I applied by the grace of God. I got in and decided to leave my six-figure job as a vice president of marketing and start my life over again at 36. And my dad said that was the stupidest decision I've ever made. And it was the best decision I've ever made. And from there, really, it's like, how did I do this? And, you know, we're now, I'm get to speak at companies all over the world, like was Amazon's keynote speaker for their International Women's Day and have created the world's largest Women's Day event with 2,500 women at it and, you know, getting to speak at Capital One and coaching women all over the world and taking women on retreats in Paris and Greece and all of that. It's because when I almost died, I just decided I would never live with a regret and any step is the right step. And that's really how I've created Purpose Girl and inspiring every woman to love herself and go for her dreams no matter what, even when it's messy and imperfect. And that's how I keep doing. And I know it's how you do and it's how we all need to do, right? It's going to be messy. It's going to be imperfect. It doesn't matter. Any step is the right step. Oh, that was so powerful. And there's so much I resonated with in that. And one question that came up for me, you talked about how, you know, before you knew your purpose, it was like this, uh, you're just like, it, do I have a purpose? Like, do I, is there something bigger? And then you started to realize what that was, but you weren't following it. And that led you to a depression. Was it harder before you knew your purpose or after you knew your purpose and weren't following it? Or was it just a different kind of pain? Mm, such a good question. Yeah. So I'm somebody who my mom would say I've had anxiety disorder since I was three. <laughs> and I don't know what a three-year-old gets anxious about, but probably past lives and who knows what else. Um, so yeah, I, I think I have a tendency, right? And there's genetically some depression, some anxiety in my family and could have a tendency toward it. And what I've come to realize is that when we suppress any part of ourselves, we will be depressed. And so I think a lot of us in life, we're suppressing parts of ourselves, right? Maybe you're suppressing your sexuality, you're suppressing, you know, a, a, an opinion and you're not voicing it. You're suppressing a dream, a desire. And anytime we suppress any part of ourselves, it will lead to depression. And so I think that there is some biology there for me and I think I was suppressing a lot of dreams. I was suppressing a lot of desires. I was suppressing my true free spirited nature. I was suppressing a lot. And 
that depression was there when I was trying to figure out my purpose. And I was married the first time because I think I was, there was a part of me that wanted to be free and wanted to be like traveling and experiencing the world and wanted to be out there. And I was suppressing that part of myself. And then the part before actually, you know, before being robbed at gunpoint and before pursuing my purpose, the depression was, I have a dream and I'm not following it. In fact, I was going to a psychiatrist for years and I have no issue with meds whatsoever. I still am on an anxiety medication and tell people do what you got to do, you know? Um, and so I was seeing a psychiatrist for years and for an entire year I went to her and I said, it's not working for each month. I would go back and say, I need more medication. I need more medication until after a year I said, please just give me lithium. Like maybe I'm bipolar or something. And she puts her pen in her notebook, closes her notebook and leans forward about six inches. And she said to me, Karen, you do not have bipolar disorder. You have all these dreams that you've wanted and you talk about and you've never followed one. And it was so powerful to hear a psychiatrist talk about that and say that to me. And it was like, you're right. And so I do think that there's a predisposition and I notice in myself and in, you know, the hundreds, thousands of women that I've worked with that suppressing parts of ourselves is going to lead to that depression. That makes a lot of sense. And the reason it resonated with me so much is I went through that same journey where I felt purposeless. Mm -hmm. And then there was a time that I started to find my purpose and I wasn't taking action. And it was a whole different kind of pain for me. And mm. I... I've thought about this before and I feel like the initial pain before I understood my purpose, it was like, it was more like disappointment because I'd get my hopes up. I'd be mm. like, maybe this is the thing. <laughs> oh no, it's not. Maybe this is the thing. No, it's not. And of course I was chasing in all the wrong areas. I was seeing what worked for somebody else or seeing what somebody's definition of success was, or this was the cool guy. I'll date him, <laughs> you know, instead mm -hmm. of defining what I really wanted. Then I started to define it, but I didn't really know how to take action on it yet. Mm -hmm. And then every day that I didn't take action, I was building mm -hmm. a belief that I'm not the type of person that takes action and started to view myself as a failure who couldn't do this thing that might I might have a purpose, but I just can't handle it. And so it was just this whole different type of, of kind of self-inflicted pain. <laughs> I look at it. Yes. Now. Oh, I totally, totally. Right. Like before you might, before figuring out your purpose, it's more of like a lost, right. It's like yeah. a lost feeling or like something is missing an emptiness. And then once you have it, or you have a sense of what you might like to do or any dream, right? Cause you can have multiple dreams, whatever they are, and you're not taking action. Then it's more of a judging yourself, beating yourself up, feeling more stuck, feeling more like that there's something wrong with you <laughs> that you're not taking action. And so it comes from the same, it's the same root, if you will, or the same, but it, it really can come out in some, in those different ways. And they're, they're both painful. You know, the, once I had my, like a sense of what I wanted in the world and who I was and what I came here on this earth to do at this time, and I wasn't pursuing it, that's when I had the depression where I couldn't get out of bed and was begging for lithium because I felt so bad about myself, right? I turned it into a story that I'm a loser who doesn't follow my dreams. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. 
First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. You had said that, you know, you were chasing what other people told you would bring you happiness, which I'm sure we've yeah. all been there, you know, before we really know who we are and what we want, our only models is everything around us. And as right. a child, no one had ever taught me how to figure that out for myself. <laughs> it was more like, mm -hmm. well, what's being displayed for me? And so you had said, not only did you find that for yourself, but you even talked to kids who felt inadequate and you really loved showing them who they were. So what does that process look for you, look like for you, whether you're doing it for yourself or helping uh, another woman or even a child through that same process? Hmm. Great question. So there's a question that we ask young kids that I absolutely hate. <laughs> and that question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and I hate that question because First of all, how many like how many things jobs does a child know? They might know teacher, doctor, whatever their parents are. Like it's so limited, not to mention that if we think about the wonderful work and purpose driven lives that people are living today, a lot of that work didn't exist 20 years ago, right? Like there was no podcasting. So you wouldn't have had, you know, this medium for your purpose then if someone had asked you. And so we don't know what's going to be in 20 years if we ask a kid now, you know, and I also, it, it sets any one of us up to believe that there's like this one thing that I'm supposed to be one thing. And it really, I think, messes with our minds. And I call all of these the purpose myths that we just need to kind of like knock out. The last one is that there's some sort of like purpose we're supposed to find and it's going to be out there. It's like you said, like maybe it's in that person I'm supposed to marry. Maybe it's going to be in that job or that thing. And that sets us up because it's all these things out there to find. And so the process, rather than any finding, like it's out there somewhere and you're going to like order it on a menu, right? The process instead, I like to think of it as uncover your purpose, right? That our purpose really is inside of us. It's who we are. And our job is to peel back the layers of what other people have put on us about what we're supposed to do. 
and really get into the aspects. There's three aspects. One is be, right? Really get into who you be. And who you be, who you are in the world are like, what are your superpowers, right? You as superhero or superhero, what are your superpowers? And that comes down to your strengths, what's best about you. Really like diving into when you have felt most lit up in the world, diving into what breaks your heart the most, diving into all the different ways that you're even jealous of other people and like what that might tell you. So there's all these different ways to get into the who you be in the world. And what I find is that a lot of times people are stuck on purpose about purpose because who they are, they've been told is not okay in the world, right? Like one of my clients who came into this world, a very like gregarious young girl, she was really bright and colorful. And her father made it clear to her that he wanted a boy, not a girl. Because he had this idea that boys were more studious, that they were worth more. And and this was, you know, a particular culture and first generation American and kind of and, and no, I'm not even going to blame the father because we're too like old for that crap. But rather like this was just the imprint that she had. And so, you know, she would dance and do cartwheels. And he said to her, no more of that, only studying. And then I met her and she was a pharmacist. I met her because she was my pharmacist and we got talking all the time. And one day she pulled me into the back of the pharmacy and said, you're a life coach, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, I, I, I need help. And listen, I love pharmacists, work with them all the time. And for her, like there, she was this colorful young girl, but there I found her and was just always just wearing this like long white coat and had no color to her anymore. And so as we peel back the layers and got curious about who she is, her the be, that's the first part, right? Being, and she started to like share this color and these, like who she really was inside and like loving that part of herself and accepting and like, let's put that out big into the world. Then we could get into the second aspect, which is do. And the doing is what are some of the like actions? What are some of the ideas? What are some of the you know things that have been percolating for you? And like, let's go out and get past the fear and go try them. Even if you fail, even if you're rejected, even if it falls apart, like let's go do in the world. Let's go do the being that's, you know, the be and then the do. And for her, she ended up as a model in India and in other, you know, Asian countries, her picture was all over because she was like as bright and colorful, right? She just like went for it. And then the third aspect is impact, right? So I think often when someone's trying to quote unquote find their purpose, they are thinking of what job do I want to do? Is it to be a teacher? Is it to be an architect? Is it to be an astronaut? <laughs> Whatever, right? It's like we, and I, with my clients never start with doing, we start with being. And the process is then to, this is to get curious so the other thing, and this is something that we learn from psychology and neuroscience, when someone is seeking purpose, there's something called purpose anxiety. And purpose anxiety is like, I find that most people have it or have had it in their life. Like, oh my God, what's my purpose? Or so it's the stress of not knowing, or it's the stress and the fear of doing it. And purpose anxiety, the way that the brain works, like you know all about this, Melissa, is when you're in stress mode, you're in fight flight and your brain's not open. Well, we can't quote unquote find or uncover our purpose when our brain is like in stress mode, because literally at that moment, your brain is only focused on to like run away or freeze because it thinks that there's a saber tooth tiger. Well, as long as we think that our purpose is a saber tooth tiger, we're never going to approach it 
and we're never going to like really go for it and get to it. So what I work with a lot on clients is first shifting into a place of positivity, into a place of joy, into a place of inspiration. And the key here for all of you out there is instead of being in that fear place, you want to get into a place, instead of purpose anxiety, you want to get into a place of curiosity. Because curiosity is like, it's an app, you know, Todd Cashton, researcher Todd Cashton said that it's like an appetitive state and it, it opens us like, hmm, let me get curious about when I have been lit up. Hmm, let me get curious about what are the things I did used to talk about when I was a kid that were fun and maybe I thought weren't possible. Hmm, let me get curious about like who I really am and what my superpowers are and what is inspiring about me. And so there's this like place of curiosity that if everybody just tries it in your body right now, you will notice a shift. And it's like, hmm, let me get curious about dot, dot, dot. And it will make a huge shift for you. And then we want to get super curious so that we can get into your being and then you're doing and then you impacting. I love that. And I find myself kind of teetering between all three over and over again. It's like, it's like a cycle where I yes. thought when I found my purpose that I would just find my purpose and that would be it, you know, and then I'd just be on this up and up on this, this life fulfilled. But what I find is I still hit roadblocks and I, mm -hmm. and then I have to go back to the beginning. And what I love, I've done the same thing where, you know, instead of what do I want to be? It's like, how do I want to be is kind of how mm -hmm. I think of it. And, and what impact do I want to make? And, and I've come to the turn to the idea that the impact I want to make is to help people expand their mindsets to expand their possibilities. And mm -hmm. how I do that might change. Like maybe the yes. I mean, I love podcasting. So I almost said maybe the podcast lasts five years, but then I got sad immediately. So nope, the podcast <laughs> is gonna last longer than that. But maybe the podcast is one of the ways and then I do something different. Maybe that's coaching, coaching for a while. Maybe then I am drawn to just retreats and maybe then I'm drawn to an, just an online program and that can all change. But my purpose stays the same and it may even evolve. Like I don't have to stick to one thing forever at all. And that for me is really freeing. Whereas for other people, they might be like, no, I found my purpose and this is what I'm staying with. But the avenues might change. However, it works for you. But that first takes understanding what you need in this moment, understanding yourself well enough to know how how are you going to talk to yourself about this to make you more likely to do it <laughs> and all of those things. But it all comes back to that knowing yourself. Yes, exactly, exactly. And you just hit on something so key. So one of the purpose myths uh, that I believe is a myth is that purpose is a noun. Okay, and this gets back to the what do you want to be when you grow up? Like purpose is not, you know, any one thing. Those are roles that we play. Um, those are roles that we have and different roles take different kind of precedent in our life at different times. But podcasting, being a podcaster is one role. But the purpose, the theme is the same purpose is like the verb, right? For you, like really helping people step into their true power, helping people, you know, expand their minds, helping people be love, right? And then you can do that in these multiple ways. And so it's like, we want to shift any of you out there. You're like, I don't know my purpose. It's like shifting from it being any one noun, which I think is how a lot of us saw our parents or grandparents do it, right? Like one thing for the rest of their lives and shifting into, wow, I get to 
be all these like multi passions, multi different, you know, ways and roles that I want to play. And there, there's this central theme. And then with that, as we grow and we evolve, like I recently became a mother and you're a mother too, right, Melissa? Just as of 10 weeks ago. (laughs) I was like, I just heard a podcast. I swear you were right. So you're a new mother too. Amazing that you're doing this 10 weeks in all hats off to you, right? Like bowing down. Um, So (laughs) I have a 10 month, you have a 10 week old. I have a 10 month old and my part of my passions have evolved with that, right? Like I'm now seeing so much about motherhood and that as mothers, we're not supposed to be like sexy and be in touch with our sensual selves. And like, and I'm like, heck to the no with that, right? Like, so (laughs) now what's coming to me, because that's a huge piece. Like I, I do, I do purpose in the feminine. And a lot of it is like bringing our feminine selves and being in that like luscious place of pleasure and play with it. And so I'm like, no, I'm cooking up something to be wild mamas. I'm like, Oh, I think I want to do a wild mama retreat, you know? And we're like howling at the moon and we're dancing on the the beach. And, you know, not like the, you know, drinking, like we're in Daytona beach, but rather like the true wild and like our true wild nature selves. It still is the same purpose, right? Ultimately my purpose is to light women up. That's purpose girl to light women up so that you know your own light and go light up the world. The, avenues, right. Might be different. Like I also, I had, I have a very long fertility process and story and was, have a lot of like pain that I went through for that. And one of the things that really came to me was bringing that feminine aspect to my fertility journey. And I'm convinced that it works. And so that's a passion of mine now. So as you said, like I might take, you know, we can take these different avenues, but the purpose, the two statement and who we are you know, can has these like themes and it also allows us to do multiple things. Cause I know a lot of us don't just want to do one thing. Exactly. Oh, geez. I just got so distracted because you reminded me of how long it's been since I felt sexy. <laughs> I, okay. I'm like, are we going to start a group called like mothers who masturbate? I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. I'm totally down for that. I mean, if you follow me anywhere, like you'll see, I do, I, I talk about it. I didn't, when I started purpose girl, I didn't talk about sexuality a lot. Now I do because I've realized that's been part of my own personal journey, right? Like that's been part of how I've evolved and realizing, like I wrote a post when I was pregnant that's up that I just reposted yesterday saying like, when I'm a mom, this is going to be an important part of me. I don't want to ever give that part of me up. And when I was at 10 weeks, like right now, you're probably exhausted, Melissa. There's like, <laughs> no, there's probably like spit up all over you and like, you know, breast milk or, or formula everywhere. Um, and what I found at least for myself is there was a difference in like being sensual for someone else as opposed to for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I personally like to feel sexy for myself. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's super important because to be totally honest, like, you know, there was that moment after the eight weeks where I'm like allowed to have sex again. Right. And, and the first few times that my husband was like trying to come over and make me feel sexy, my first thought was I can't do another thing for somebody else, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, not thinking about it being for me at all. It was just like, it was just like, Oh, now I've got to give one more part of myself and and I could feel my guard going up. And so I had to actually sit in meditation and be Mm -hmm. like, 
no, that's, that was your fight or flight, that he's not asking something of me. He's trying to connect with me, you know, and like reframe it in, in my mind. But it's just so interesting because we're constantly given so many messages about everything, about, you know, how we should be as a mother, the how how to be a good mother, how to bounce back from birth, how how to or I, I was even reminded of um, how you were talking about how kids are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then they they're like, oh, a firefighter. And it's like one thing I thought for the mm-hmm. longest time that m- having multi passions was a bad thing. Like maybe mm-hmm. I was just too scattered. I didn't have one purpose. And so much of my journey has just been, like you said earlier, kind of peeling down the layers of the things that we've been taught. And so mm-hmm. I found that when I when I was trying to follow my intuition, whether that be in a career or in life, it was hard at first to differentiate between my programming and my intuition. It was like, mm-hmm. do I want this because I've been told to want this because everyone on Instagram that has this looks like they're really happy about it? Or do I want it because that's actually what lights my fire? Yes. How did you start to kind of weed out the noise to find your true core desires. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. How did you start to kind of weed out the noise to find your true core desires? Mm, There's so much here that I want to answer and talk about there. The intuition versus fear. You know, I, I like to think of them that we have multiple voices. You know, it's like multiple parts of us on the bus <laughs> and that we are every age we have ever been. Right. So inside of us is like inside of me is the 10 year old that first had her little group of girlfriends turn on her and dump her and has that like pain of women don't want to hear from you. Girls don't like you kind of a thing. Right. And then I have like the first love and I was abused when I was 17. And so I have that in me. And like we have all these different experiences and they all create like voices inside of us that are just trying to keep us safe and protected from whatever pain and heartache we've had in our life. And they're just trying to help us. And so finding that difference between your intuitive voice and like your inner wisdom, as I like to call it, your inner goddess, or for men who are listening to this, your your inner king, your inner God, 
it takes a real discernment and I use my body to know. And this took a while, one, like in the peeling back of the layers, noticing, in fact, you can even just do this right now, really pausing for a minute and noticing how you feel about these words. When I say the word, yes, yes, yes. Notice how that feels in your body. Or if I say the word, no, no, no. Noticing how that feels in your body. Your body will tell you the difference when it feels a no, when it's a fear, when it's right, and when it's a yes. And so when something is coming from that fear, one of those earlier voices, one of the voices on the bus, typically your body will shrink your body will start to like, you know, you'll feel icky in your belly or you'll feel icky, like your throat will close up. You're, you'll be talking very fast, right? So it's like your body and we all have, it's almost like the, um, a gaslight in your car. Your body will start telling you when it's a no and when it's a yes, when something is fear and when something is intuition. And typically the fear voice is always telling you what you can't do, that you're going to do it wrong, that you're not enough, that something's going to happen, that it's going to, all the self-doubt, all the, it's going to tell you all those things. And the inner goddess or inner wisdom voice is typically going to tell you it's going to be okay. You can make it through this no matter what. You're beautiful. You're strong. And so really getting to know what your inner voices sound like, really getting to know how your body feels. And for me, it's been years of practice and still practicing, still needing like all the time to pause and listen and check in, which voice is this? And when we can quiet, and I know that this is so much a part of your work, Melissa, when we can quiet and the noise is going in our head and all the voices are telling us all the ways that we're wrong and bad and shouldn't do the things that are really, would really let us up. And we can place our hand on our heart. And I also like to place one hand on my belly, or as I like to think of it, you know, as a woman, my womb, whether you have a womb or not, like that is the place of our deepest, like of creation. And so I like to think of it as just pausing and going, what else is true? What else is true? Or asking the question in the depths of my heart, what do I know is true? And that's typically when you're going to get that inner wisdom or inner goddess answer. And it's going to be slower and it might be quieter, but it's actually going to sound more resonant. I feel that. And for me, the biggest thing that I had to move past was I didn't have any boundaries. Like, like I said before, I was mm. living my life for other people for so long that I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I just thought that's how you lived life, you know? Sure. And so I'm like, oh, this friend wants these, like, likes this brand. So do I. <laughs> like, just from everything. My husband wants sex. I need to give it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it was so funny when I really started listening to my intuition. First, the first journey for me was like, okay, now I'm actually making moves towards what's going to make me happy. But I still didn't quite realize how much I was doing it in all the other areas of my life, like what I was going to do on a Saturday afternoon, for example. And that's when a lot of friendships started falling away because finally I, w I didn't want to, I don't like going to bars with wet floors. <laughs> and so I was saying no to certain friends more often. And they're just like, you're never around anymore. And it was interesting because I realized that 
I had a harder time connecting with my intuition when other people were involved than when it was just me because I had let their voices be louder for so long that it's like I could ask myself like, okay, what do you desire in a career? What's going to light you up? And I could hear a hell yes in my mind. But then it's like, do you want to go to the bungalow today and binge drink? And there'd be this tiny voice. It's like, no, stay home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so much quieter and submissive. And, and I'm like, okay, I need to give more power to that voice. And Oh my gosh, it's totally. Like when I left my, when I said I was going to leave my corporate job where I was making six figures and I was a vice president and I was going to move across the country to go to grad school, right? I said, my dad said that was the stupidest decision ever. And so like, and I know he said out of love now and I've done tons of work and therapy and coaching on it, right? And so it's like, but we, those voices are so strong and they still come up for me in ways of like, my husband's like, what do you want for dinner tonight? And inside I'm thinking, ugh, anything but Mexican. And he's like, how about Mexican? And I, there is some part of me that still wants to please him and go, okay, Mexican. Right. And so it's like, I have to really like, I, we have learned to be such people pleasers. And that's because, you know, at our heart of hearts, underneath it all, we just want to be loved, right? It's like, we just want to be loved. And if we learned that being loved in order to be loved meant just doing what other people wanted us to do. Then we just became that. And so it's like having tons of love for the part of ourself or the part of myself that says, okay, Mexican. And then like pausing and saying, you know what? I really don't want Mexican. And again, listening to my body, when I say that, like, all right, we'll have sex if I don't feel like it, or all right, we'll have Mexican or whatever. I notice my body slumps over, my throat closes a little bit. I feel small. And that's my indication that I am doing what someone else wants me to do instead of what's true for myself. And that's a moment for me to like, that's why I say pay attention to your body. And I still have to practice this all the time. So not perfect at it. And like really listening to my body and going, oh, wait, something must be off here. Let me take a deep breath and really check in. And like, you know what the truth is? And I'm, and, and I'm afraid to tell you that I don't want to have sex tonight, right? Like, I'm afraid you're going to feel rejected. I'm afraid that it's going to impact our relationship. And sometimes it just seems easier. Fine, I'll do it, right? But no, like, this is a whole process of, of empowering ourselves and speaking what is true for us in a loving way. And so learning, and I even sometimes say to my husband, like, can I have a redo on that? The truth is I don't want Mexican, right? It's like really not a big deal. But it it can feel like it's a huge deal in that moment, right? Because we've learned, oh my God, I got to do what everybody else wants me to do. And like you, I was on autopilot. Like it was, I got married at 22 the first time around. I, you know, had the big house and everything. By the time I was 24, it was just like, do the things because everybody said. And it was only when I felt inside that emptiness that I started to listen. And then I think it's what you just said, Melissa, so well, like that inner goddess voice is going to be really quiet at first. And like, keep listening and keep listening. And I like to practice with little things. Like I'll look at a pair of underwear and say, do I want to wear that today? And like, listen, is it a yes or is it a no? And then, like you said, it gets harder when it's other people involved. And I think it's a practice and letting the people that we know love, who love us, let them know that we're practicing, ask for redos. And And that's why I said, like, just going back to the mama and sensuality conversation, like doing it for ourselves. And I'll tell you, Melissa, when we got on this podcast and I saw you, I'm like, girlfriend looks hot, like (laughs) amazing. Like you got yourself, you know, all done up. And I'm like, yes. And that's like, I don't know if you're doing it for somebody else, but it seemed like you did it for yourself. And that's an act of self-love. To me, that's an act of purpose. 
I did realize that if I actually get ready at least once a week, I feel more like a person instead of a milk factory right now. <laughs> <laughs> totally so it, you. that is, that is helpful. And it's what I found when I was really looking back at like, okay, when do I have a really hard time following my intuition? What would come up, I would think would be the reason, but if I sat with it for longer, I would find another layer and another layer and another layer. And what it ended up coming back to was, I thought at first it was a feel, fear of failure. What it turned out was it was more so a fear of public failure. If I failed mm -hmm. and nobody knew about it, it didn't really matter that much. I, I could figure that was a way of life. But if people knew about it, then that was when the real failure happened. And then the other fear was fear of rejection. And I think that's what the fear of public failure really was anyways, is fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I had to really come to terms with the fact that, oh my gosh, most of my life was designed around what other people thought about me. And I had not realized that because I thought my whole life, I didn't care what people thought about me. That was the story I kept telling myself. Mm. I, I loved to shock people with my stories. I loved to say and do the things that other people weren't willing to do. And, and I was like, this is my individuality. I'm fearless. But I knew how to deliver things to make it funny, or I knew how to deliver it to make mm. it better. Or, or that was the thing I was okay with being, but if I had found out that like somebody actually didn't like me for one of those things, it would have crushed me. You and I are the same human. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like listening to you. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I don't get it. Like that fear of humiliation and that's stopping you. You know, it's so interesting. I really see that people, when, when I'm talking with them about purpose, they may think, well, I don't know what I want to do. Most often it's really just the, the fear of doing it is somehow going to make me embarrassed, unloved, right? It's like, because I will fail at it and everybody will know, or I will be rejected and look stupid or right. And it's like, or I really don't think that I'm good enough and then I'll feel stupid. Like, so it's, it's, that's really what I see as like the biggest barrier when it comes to purpose. When you're working through your purpose now, we talked about already how, you know, things change or you reach a next step or you like maybe the next goal was the podcast and you started the podcast and now that's going well. And now it's time to create the next goal. How do you come back to that and find your next aligned step? Mm. It's really that intuition. So I'm someone who has a million ideas and like things I want to do. And I have to kind of edit it a little bit because I'm a doer. And my old story is the more I do, the more I'll be loved. Right. And that's like one, it's one of my many old stories that I'm working on. Right. And so the, um, it's when I get these ideas, like my, 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 my wild mama retreat, it, it's in my head. I don't know when I'm going to do it. And like, really, I need to kind of edit it and go back and say, like, is now the right time? What will that look like in my life? When am I going to do it? Because if it were really up to me and my excitement about things I want to do, I would do a million things. I don't know about you. Nice. And what I recommend, you know, and what I recommend to people is when you have a million things that you want to do, like a lot of times I think we've been taught that that's like a deterrent against purpose because you're supposed to have like one thing. And I actually see it as your special sauce. 
that that's like what makes you, you. And that's the part, like if you have any of you out there, if you have part of your brain that's saying, but there are a million coaches. So like, what's different about me? Well, what's different about you is that you have these million things that you want to do and that there's like a unique special way that you can combine them. Like I combine sensuality and purpose and being a goddess and I take women on retreats to Paris and I speak at Amazon, you know? So it's like, you can combine them into the most beautiful way. Like literally I gave a talk to all Amazon employees and you, and talked about being a goddess. It was International Women's Day. And I don't know if anyone's ever at, at Amazon talked about being a goddess, but you can, right? And so, okay, there's some, do you hear that? Yeah, it's okay, Editor? I can cut it out. <laughs> okay, I'm like, oh, hello goddess, are you up there? So one thing is looking at all that you love and like, what would be super fun? What would turn you on? What would light you up to combine them? Is there a way? I don't know what's happening outside. (laughs) It's cool. Proceed. So one is like, is there a fun way that you could combine it in a way that's only you and still turn it into one thing? Like my retreat in Paris combines everything that I love into one thing. It's called Purpose in Paris. And I love Paris. And so I take women on these like unique like to all my little haunts and places that I love and infuse it. Like we go to the Louvre, but we do a self-love tour of the Louvre and finding who the goddess is and then coming back together and like showing pictures of, of all the different goddesses that we saw, or like we go up on Montmartre and we paint our purpose. Like we paint what's been coming up for us. So like getting to combine all those things and creating a thing that's uniquely you. The other way to do it, and there's no right or wrong way. Like, let's be clear about this. You get There's no wrong way to do purpose and you can try something and mess up and you can try something and fail and then try the next thing. The other thing is I tell people, let's pick one thing. Let's start with one thing and let's get like good at that thing. And then let's check in with your intuition, breathing, going inside. Can you keep that one thing going really well? Like you said about the podcast, do you have the support to keep the podcast going you know, that we need to be supported with editors and whatnot and, and now pick up the next thing, right? So like making it make sense with your life. I don't know what you find, Melissa, but that's, I kind of work both, both processes with clients. Yeah. And for me, I, like I said, I was so multi-passionate that I thought I didn't have a purpose at all. And it was like that. I remember hearing that phrase, you know, um, you're, uh, what's the master of one phrase? <laughs> Why can't I think of it? Yeah. Um, well, a jack of all trades, right. jack of all trades <laughs> and a master of none is what I'm yes. thinking of. And, and it's just like, oh man, I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. And then I realized that the rest of the quote is actually, which is often more better than a master of one. And I was like, wow, we've been having, giving that the opposite meaning forever. And what yeah. I found is, first of all, like when I really drilled down all the things I was interested in, I I was looking at, well, I'm interested in psychology and I'm interested in mindfulness and I'm interested in all sorts of things, spirituality, like how do these connect? And for me, it came back to the power of the mind. and. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes there could be completely different areas and, oh, even marketing. I loved learning about marketing and human behavior. And so it was really about mindset and and the power of our minds. And so a lot of times if you sit with things for long enough, you'll start to see that these seemingly 
totally different interests do have something that connect them. And maybe that's something that you're passionate about. Or it goes back to the purpose statement that we talked about earlier. Like what impact do you want to make? What? Uh, and there are so many different ways to do that. And I will say that a lot of people, when I did the exercise of asking people what my superpower was at one point when I was trying to find my purpose. And people were like, you just know so much information and you're so good at taking information from so many different fields and connecting it together. And I was like, oh, so my total interest in like everything going on in the world, it does connect and it is helping me uh, move along my purpose. And all I needed to do was let go of my own stress around it to be able to see it. Exactly, exactly. So the deal with purpose is that every moment of your life has been for purpose. And it's all good, right? So the joys, your interests, your passions, the things that have lit you up or made you excited or just piqued your curiosity, all of that is information about what would light you up and what you might be able to be here to share and teach and do and be in the world. So all of that is for purpose. Even your pains have been to purpose. I do a lot with clients around turning their pain into purpose, that even the most challenging moments have given you strength or wisdom, have given you something for you to share with the world. And if we can see every moment, every part of us as necessary for purpose, right? Like it's necessary that I have this big part of me that is into sensuality and sexuality. My clients love it, that I'm bringing that and that I teach classes around this and connecting it to purpose because I believe womanifesting, when you're a, a woman and you're in your joy and you're in your pleasure, you magically magnetize things to you. So it's part of purpose. And I love travel. So I take women on retreats. I love speaking. And so I go into these and I have corporate experience. And so I go into those places and I've had a lot of pain, right? Like being robbed at gunpoint. I've had multiple miscarriages. All of that then lends to the wisdom and things that I can share in the podcast. And so it's like, if you can start seeing that it's all been for purpose and that you need all of it and that that's going to be your special sauce. In fact, I was just teaching a class on this and all the women who came started with saying, I think there's something wrong with me because I don't know which one to pick and ended with, how do I blend these together? And that my purpose is to be me. And let's be clear, like one of the women who came to this class, she was like, but I love like entertaining. And like, she makes like kind of funny, you know, are they called gifs or gifs, whatever they are on, <laughs> I still don't know, on <laughs> social media. And I love, you know, speaking and I love, and she talked about all these different things. And it was like, yes, all of that, because there are people out there that are going to need your message delivered in this really funny, relatable, entertaining way. And that's going to be what really speaks to them. And so there's this opportunity, like all of it can come together, as you said, with your purpose in this really unique way. And I think the bigger issue is just not letting that fear brain that tells you that you're too much or you're not good enough or that you're going to fail, get in the way. You know, and I want to share one thing if I can about that fear of failure, Melissa. Sure. The first time that I held a group program, do you know how many people came? How many? Zero. I had zero people sign up for my first group program and I was humiliated. My worst fears realized that I'm going to be a failure. Everyone's going to laugh me away. They're going to think I'm stupid. I think I'm stupid. All of it. Women hate me. Like all the stuff from fifth grade, like all of that. 
and I was living in a 200 square foot apartment in New York. My bed took up the whole thing. I crawled into bed. I didn't come out for two days other than to eat Ben and Jerry's, right? Like I was like miserable. I felt so stupid. And then at some point I had to come back to like, okay, why am I doing this? What is my purpose? Why did I try to do this in the first place? And for me, it all comes down to like, I love lighting women up to love themselves and go fulfill their dreams. So I like sluggishly got out of bed and all right, what do we got to do? What did we learn? Will we try again? And so I tried to launch a group program again. And you know how many people signed up? How many? Zero. Zero again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and of course, I'm like so humiliated. And then you know what I realized? No one knows that zero people signed up. Like no one knows. How does anyone know that another hundred women didn't sign up in some other, right? They don't know. And I said, why did zero, like, I went through the whole thing again, the crying, the Ben and Jerry's, the whole thing. And then was like, all right, what did I learn here? Well, I didn't have more than 30 people on my newsletter list at the time. So the numbers say you're going to have zero people sign up. So there's like a learning. And this is what I love about purpose. Like when you keep coming back to your why and what it is that you want to share in the world and what kind of impact you want to make, as you said, and how do you want to show up and like what that is for you it got me to do it a third time. And the third time I had three people sign up and then, you know, and now the rest is history. And like, I realized I've got to really work on building my newsletter list and my Facebook group and my, you know, how many people know about me and ultimately the podcast, like, you know, all of that kind of thing. It's like anyone who's listening to this, the biggest thing that's going to get in your way are self-doubt and fear. And they self-doubt really is fear, right? And so it's like, can you allow yourself to do it imperfectly? Can you allow yourself to quote unquote fail? Can you allow yourself to be embarrassed and realize that really everybody is so self-consumed in their own lives that they're not paying attention to what you're doing and if you failed? And realistically, what happens is most people are going to be inspired by you trying. Oh, there's so many stories in that. The first thing I have to come back to is I say Jif. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the creator of the GIF actually said that it's pronounced GIF, although it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's the first word stands for graphic. It should be GIF, but no, mm. it's GIF. Thank you. But <laughs> That's hilarious. I can't tell you how many times I've said that and nobody's ever told me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that I love that story about your group programs because I will be honest, I have been feeling called to creating a retreat. Then 2020 happened, then I had a baby. So it's probably right. going to be in 2022. But um, that is a fear of mine. Like, well, what if one person shows up and then I got to break it to them that it's just me and them on a besties trip? <laughs> you know? oh my God. Wait for you there, Melissa. Are you ready for this? Yeah. One of my purpose in Paris years, only one woman signed up. Actually, five did. And then that was a year that there were riots and in, in Paris, so a couple women dropped out. And then I forget what else happened. Anyway, I ended up with one and I was humiliated. And I had to call the woman and say, all right, it's just you. And she was like, are you kidding? That's amazing. Will you still go with me? And I was oh, like, are you sure? Awesome. She's like, a private in Paris? Um, yeah, sign me up. You know, because I normally if it was just her and I, I would have charged a lot more, but I didn't charge her more. So then one of the things I do when I'm humiliated, I practice telling people these stories, like that nobody signed up for my group programs. Because the more I tell the story, right, like Brene Brown says, shame only lives in silence. So I started telling clients, here's what happened. Only one person signed up. And it's like a way of me practicing that I can fail and not die. 
right? I can fail and not die. And I started telling clients and they were like, I'm so jealous. I want a private with you in Paris. <laughs> so if you end up with one person, just love on that one person. First of all, I don't think that you will. I think you have a million, so many people who love you. I don't think you're going to end up with just one. And if you do just love all over that person and know that you are just one, making their life amazing. And two, you're setting such an example of doing the damn thing anyway. And three, you're just going to make people want it more with you next time. I love that. Well, thank you so much for all of the wisdom. I know I found my purpose and I even got clarity on it in this episode. So uh, thank you for what you do in the world. And for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and how to work with you, where's the best place they can connect? Purposegirl.com has everything from the retreats to the group programs to the Purpose Girl podcast. All of the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 183. Your challenge for this week is going to be the first steps to actually finding your purpose, and it's to get crystal clear on your desires. What does your vision for your life look like? If you're anything like me, your vision that you have right now before you get crystal clear on your desires might not actually be in alignment with those desires. Before I did the work, my vision looked a lot like the vision being sold to me. A ton of material things, a big house, a nice car. And the more I think about it, the more I realize that that might not be the vision for my life. Sure, if somebody handed it to me, I'd be grateful to take the giant house and all that comes with it. But when I actually think about what lights me up, right now, it has to do with my baby, just quality time with him. Or living on a tropical beach in some other country. Oftentimes, my desires look like I'm living in a hut, not some big mansion. <laughs> so one of the first steps is untangling your true core desires with your programming. And maybe it does line up. Maybe it does make you feel a sense of security and you do feel elated when you think about having that big house and that fancy car. That's totally okay. It's your desires. The point is to make sure that they're actually truly yours. So for me... Yes, I do desire things, but a lot of those things that I desire are just resources to make my life a little bit easier. I love meal delivery services and healthy food, and I love to have somebody that does my laundry and a housekeeper that comes more regularly and a slightly bigger home so that my husband and I can each have our own offices and our kids can have their own rooms. And so I want things, but I want practical things, things that are going to enhance my life. Whereas earlier, I thought I wanted this big giant house with an impressive pool in the back and all of these things that actually might make my life more complicated because it's just more to clean. So this isn't about my desires or my vision. It's just giving you a little inspiration on how to Figure out what those desires really mean to you and why you desire them so that you can start to untangle those desires with the programming. And let us know how it goes. We'll be discussing it in the Facebook group. You can find that by going to mindlove.com slash FB group and it'll direct you right there. And I want to know if in doing this practice, you learned something about yourself or you realized that you did hold some vision for a desire that wasn't truly yours. So meet me in the Facebook group or reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa and let me know how it goes.
Oh, and did you know that by joining Mind Love Premium, you get extra episodes plus monthly meditations and other bonuses? You can join at mindlove.com slash premium. It's an excellent way to support the show if Mind Love is really helpful for you. Another way to support it is by supporting my amazing sponsors. I absolutely love and use all of my sponsors, so you know that they're all pre-vetted. And finally, a free way you can support the show is by sharing the podcast with a friend or taking a screenshot and sharing it on social media and tagging Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. And that's it for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 